Father, the reason that we live is to worship you, Master. And Lord, even as we have gathered here this evening to hear from your word, hear from what it's going to say to us, Lord, we pray that you prepare our hearts, that we will be found with a character that's pleasing in your sight, that our lives will be holy, pure, and pleasing to you. And so, Lord, we give this time into your hands. Prepare us, mold us, and shape us, and transform us into the person that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So welcome to church. Welcome to our life group session. It's, it's always great to get together and uh, talk about practical stuff, you know, just the everyday life because there are so many things that we can go through in our life every day that uh, we wonder, you know, if there's a solution to this because we want to get rid of this but we always keep going back to that. So when we look at the Bible, it offers solution to every trouble in life, to every problem in life. And so that's what our goal is with Life Group, just to discuss those practical issues that we face and find solutions from Scripture. And so for the, for the past couple of weeks, we've been um, looking at a series of study called Overcoming Habits That Destroy. Basically, have to overcome any habit in us that can destroy us. It's like, you know, if we carry such things, it's like we are walking with a bomb in us. If it doesn't blast today, it's going to blast one or the other day. And so, so our, our, our job in, in this is to overcome things that will kill us eventually. So the last couple of sessions, we looked at jealousy, uh, anger, and today we're going to learn how to overcome pride. Overcome pride. Now, all of us know what pride is. Yes. Anybody who doesn't know. <laughs> we have experienced this very often in our life. And, and I'm, I'm sure at some point or the other, we will, we've thought, we felt like, okay, I'm being proud in this situation. I'm, I shouldn't be this way anymore. I should stop being that way. And, and also we have tried our best, you know, not to be proud, but it keeps coming up over and over again. It's like we, we, we try to be humble for a couple of days. And then a uh, few days later, when somebody comes and, and tells something about us, uh, pride kicks in. Like, how can you say that about me? Do you know who I am? Do you know who my parents are? Do you know what I'm capable of? So pride is one of those very, very common issues that we face. Now, we can see that as an issue, but God sees that as a sin. Okay? God sees that as a sin. He's not seeing that as something oh, maybe one day you can deal with. But God sees this as something that you have to deal with right now in your life. Because when God looks at you, He wants you. He wants all of us to live life without pride. Because pride is a rebellion against God itself. I'll talk more about it. So, so in, in a nutshell, pride is something that God does not want to be part of our lives in any way. We cannot adjust with that. We should not manage with that. But rather, we should work in such a way that there will be no more room for pride in our lives. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? So, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6 verse 16. It says like this, there are six things the Lord hates and seven are an abomination to Him. Okay, the first thing on the list that God hates is this. What is it? Yes. It has something to do with pride. Can we turn to Proverbs chapter 6? Verse 16 to 17. 
seven that are detestable to them. Detestable to them. Haughty eyes. Okay, let's stop there. What, what does it say? Haughty eyes. And in other words, it's talking about pride. It's it's like looking with the pride, looking at people. Say just just the character of looking down. Oh, I am somebody greater, and these people are just a lower class in the society. And this is something that God hates. And the Bible clearly says that pride is something that God doesn't even want. Uh, it's like the, how do I say it? It's imagine that there is something that you don't even want to cast a glance at. Also, just you don't even want that to cross your mind because you hate it so much. Think of it that same way. God hates pride. So the Bible says clearly six things the Lord hates and seven that are an abomination to him. And the first one on the list is pride. The interesting thing about pride is that it becomes such an important part of our lives. It becomes a part of our everyday life that we may not even notice at times. We may not even notice that it is working. Sometimes we may pay attention and realize, okay, I'm, I'm acting with pride in my heart, I should stop this. But sometimes we may not even notice. And the biggest reason for that is the human nature by default. Okay? The human nature by default carries pride in our hearts. Just, for every little thing, we can become proud. If, if somebody praises us, we can become proud. If somebody appreciates us, we can become proud. If somebody fights against us, we can get, become proud. You know, we can show pride by standing and saying, do you know who I am? Do you know what I'm capable of? So pride can be part of our lives in a big way that can lead us actually towards destruction. And so God reminds us through his word saying, if there is pride, I hate it. Bible also says like this that God stands against the proud. If there's anybody who has pride in their hearts, who is an enemy to them? God. Just imagine, I, I, I want that to sink in your hearts. The Bible is clear. God stands against the proud. If there is somebody who has pride in their hearts, the first enemy to them is not their family, not their friends, not their loved ones, but it is God himself. So, as we look at scripture, you know, as we desire to be more like, uh, more in the way that God wants us to be, we have this great responsibility of dealing with pride. So let's deal with that today. Amen? Amen. So pride, let me give you a definition. We all know what it is, but good to know a definition for it. Pride is an undue confidence in and attention to, attention to one's own skills, accomplishments, state, positions, or position. I'll say that again. It's an undue confidence in and attention to one's own skills, accomplishments, state, positions, or position. It's just an undue confidence or an attention to one's own skills, accomplishments, state, positions, or position. Have you ever met a person who is full of themselves? Yes? Have you ever, ever met a person and spoke to them for half an hour? In that, in that half an hour, they would have spoken about themselves for 25 minutes. Or this is what I did for vacation. This is where I went. This is what I bought. And this is what my parents did for me. 
And even if you try to say something in between, they'll cut you off. <laughs> it's an undue confidence and they seek attention to their skills, to their accomplishments, their positions and their position. And Bible says God stands against such person. So pride is the opposite of humility. And humility is the proper attitude that God desires us to have. Humility is the attitude that God desires us to have. But the default human nature always goes towards pride. And also, you know, pride is the rebellion against God. Uh, because it attributes to oneself the honor and the glory due unto God alone. Pride is rebellion against God because it attributes, it gives oneself the praise and the honor and the respect that is actually due to God. It actually belongs to God. So it's actually rebellion against God himself. So, you know, as, as we understand pride, we will understand how much God hates and how much it takes away the place of God in our lives. Are you with me? Yes? Uh, if I'm going fast, you can tell me. If you want to uh, ask me something, you can ask me. Any questions so far? Any questions? Pradeep looks like you have a question. No, you don't. <laughs> See, for, for example, people who are proud do not think it is necessary to ask sorry. They might have done a mistake. But people who are proud, they say, okay, I understand I did a mistake, but I don't have to ask for sorry. Let me just let the situation be for some time and everything will become all right. You see, the reason why they do that is because they don't want to admit their weakness or their sinful condition. They just want to say, okay, it's okay, I, I did a mistake, everybody does, so what? People who are proudful of who they are, they do not ask for forgiveness. Another example is, people who are proud always have a low view of others. They always underestimate others' ability and look down at them. And so eventually what they do is they treat them with contempt or cruelty. Like, like let, let me ask you this as an example. Okay, let's say you're traveling in a train. Um, you might find this more towards Andhra or towards Tamil Nadu, you know, the Salem side. And if you're traveling in the train, you'd find out Transgenders would walk into the train. Okay, so what is the first thought that you have when you see them? Oh, why are they even coming in the train? <laughs> why, why are they? What, what, what's the first thing that crosses? You can tell me. You, you may not think that. You can tell me. <laughs> why do they have to beg? Yeah, males, yeah. Especially the clean-shaved ones are in trouble. <laughs> Looks down upon them. Beats them up. How many of you have had a conversation with them? 
it's not very comfortable to have a conversation. Now let's say that you, you own a business, okay? Let's just imagine you own a business and somebody like this comes asking for a job. What would be your response to that? Qualification, okay? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, the, the, just examples to make make us think. You know, make us think because there are some you know areas. You know, as I was just preparing, thinking to myself, some areas where I actually don't think at all. But my very response to that could be out of pride. So that's why pride is so subtle. It's so much into our human nature that we don't even realize it's there. So yeah, there's there's a real instance. This this happened. It came in the news. Um, there was a lady who, who was a transgender who, um, who was working in a daba in one of the highways. I think it's the Karnataka highway uh, leading towards Hosur. Uh, um, so uh, she took over the daba. Okay? The, the, the owner couldn't run it anymore and she took over and people stopped coming. People stopped coming. What she also did was, she, was that she employed more transgenders to serve in the restaurant. People stopped coming to the restaurant eventually. But slowly the business picked up and people understood, okay, they're just like us. We shouldn't look down at them and we should, we should rather treat them with respect. So, uh, just looking down at others, just looking at their capabilities, just looking down at, their, uh, at them as a person can also be out of pride. So pride, in other words, is sin. There's no nice way of saying that. Pride is a sin that God hates. Uh, so there are many biblical words that describe pride. Uh, there are about five of them. You can quickly write that down. Uh, because you might find the Bible talking about pride in different ways. Uh, and it'll be in these words. One is arrogance. You know, the, anybody knows the meaning of arrogance? Obviously, you know. It's, it's, it basically measures oneself above others. Turn with me to Second Timothy chapter three, verse four. There's an interesting verse there. Second Timothy chapter three, verse four. Okay, let's stop there. So it talks about a couple of things that traitors, headstrong and then haughty. Yes? Um, in other translation, it uses the word conceited. 
um, in other translation might be slightly different, but it's all talking about pride. Now, there's a very interesting um, meaning to that word. Uh, the word, the actual word comes out of high-minders or basically pride. And the way it describes in this verse is, this is what it literally means. It literally means to wrap in smoke. If anybody has pride in them, what they've done to themselves is, is that they have wrapped themselves in smoke. It's like they've been blinded, literally just think of it. Um, uh, like if, if somebody, have you ever been in a situation where you're surrounded with smoke, or something like that? Just imagine that's how a person is when they are proud of themselves. They don't have any real thing to what they're saying, it's imaginary. It is just they're blinded by their thinking. And the Bible says they are conceited, which means to wrap in smoke. Hope you get that. Okay. So the, one of the words the Bible uses to describe pride is arrogance. The second is conceit. Third is self-satisfaction. Fourth is boasting and fifth is high-mindedness. So all these things connect to pride and Bible uses these words to describe uh, characters or attitude of pride in our life. Okay. So pride appears in many forms. It appears in many forms. In three, let me put this in three simple ways. Pride appears in terms of race, spirituality and riches. Okay, race, spirituality, and riches. I remember <laughs> when I moved to Delhi for the first time, I went to a supermarket to buy something, and the guy at the supermarket looks at my skin color. <laughs> and you know what happens after that? You just, you know, talk to them, oh, he's Madrasi. They're all fair, you know. My skin is not fair. <laughs> so that's pride. That's pride. It can show up in terms of race. Oh, they are from there. We are this. Jesus condemns that. Luke chapter 3 verse 8 says like this. Chapter 3 verse 8 says like this. Because even the Jews were proud of who they are and who their forefathers are. Their forefather is Abraham. They're just, they're just proud of their inheritance. Oh, we are this family line. We are that kind of people in the community. We are this people, that people. Jesus says, I can raise children for Abraham out of these stones. What are you bragging about? Can we read that verse? Yes. So, in, in other words, just understand this. Racial discrimination, racially discriminating somebody can also be out of pride, can also be birthed out of pride. So, pride appears in many forms. Second is spiritual pride. Spiritual pride. See, some people who, who, who've been Christians for a long time, 
when they see a newcomer in the church, they'll be like, ah, he's a newcomer. He has a lot to learn. We are somewhere up the ladder. That's pride. <laughs> God hates that. Let's turn to Luke chapter 18 verse 9. So this is spiritual pride. Luke chapter 18 verse 9. Okay, so Jesus goes on to say a parable to teach a lesson to people who were confident of their own righteousness in their spiritual life and looked down on everyone else. The Pharisees were very meticulous in keeping the law. So they would look down at others who do not do the same thing and think, oh, they are not anywhere closer to God, but we are because we are doing all these things. We are keeping the commandments. We are following the word of God. We are following all these things. See, the Jews had over 633 commandments, somewhere around that. You know, the, the 10 commandments that we have in the Bible, we struggle to keep that. They had 633. Now, Paul was a Pharisee. And he says like this, that according to the law, I was blameless. Which means, he kept every bit of what the law says. That's how Pharisees were. And they would look down at everybody else. Now Jesus didn't care about what they did or what they have achieved. He says, be spiritual, but do not look down at others. Because the very habit, the very attitude of looking down at somebody and thinking, oh, they are just children, they need to grow up so much, they, they don't know much. You know, just, just keeping them away is also pride. It also comes out of pride. So pride appears in many forms. First we saw pride of race and then second is spiritual pride. And the third one is pride of riches. People who are wealthy can look down at people who do not have much. It's pride of riches. James chapter 1 verse 10. James gives a very practical instruction. He says like this, But the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wild flower. In other words, what he is recommending is that rich who, who are wealthy, who are blessed with their wealth, should not look down at the ones who do not have enough. So you look at these three things, these are practical things that can happen every day in our everyday life. Pride of race, spiritual pride and pride of riches. I, I can give you a lot of examples of pride of race, I've, I've experienced discrimination. It's, it's you know, when, when you're a little kid, uh, when you're very young and uh, when you're still in school, it doesn't matter that much. Somebody discriminates you based on your race and based on where you come from. It's not a big deal. But as you grow older and older, you still hear that it's, it's hurtful. It's hurtful. And the very reason people are putting us down is because they think of themselves as a step higher. And that very idea of looking down at others you know, where they come from and their race is out of pride. And pride is what God hates. Hates. You know, whether we see uh, some, somebody from Bihar who's doing construction work. Let's say they get into a trouble. People are harassing them without any reason. We shouldn't just stand by and say, oh, maybe he's a Bihari. He might have done some mistake. They, these people do something like that. 
we should not even look down at them that way. We should just help them because they are a fellow human being. So it doesn't matter where they come from, whether they come from Africa or whether they come from the USA. They all are our fellow human beings. A friend of mine who, uh, he was saying that some people, you know, he studied in an international school uh, with British and Americans. And he said like this, sometimes, you know, we look at all these Americans and think, oh, they're such wonderful people. He said their skin is only white. Everything else, they're same as us. <laughs> they're just as mischievous as us, just as naughty as us. Sometimes we look at their skin color and we are, oh, have a different level of respect for them. No. We have to treat everybody as fellow human beings. That's what Jesus teaches us. The very idea of looking down at someone or looking up to somebody is also wrong. We just have to treat everyone equally as fellow human beings, as fellow brothers and sisters. Amen? Any questions? Have you, let me ask you, have you ever faced a situation where uh, you've been told, oh, you're from this place and you felt bad about it? And what was your response to that? Or maybe, let's say, in a church situation where they said, oh, you're we're just very new. You won't understand all this. It'll take you many, many years. Has anybody told you that way? And what was your response to that? Okay. I can tell you, I've, I've been through all three of this. <laughs> I can share a lot more stories, but I'll keep it for another day. Uh, been through all three of it. It's, it's very painful when, when people look down at you in church. Uh, for example, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young pastor. So always, oh, it's like, oh, they just don't bother, you know. I, I, I'm not, <laughs> there's somebody who asked me, how long is your service in church? I said, one, two hours. They go to a church where the church goes on for three and a half, four hours. And so for them, to have a church where the preaching is only for 45 minutes or one hour is not actually a church. Okay? And if you don't belong to their group, you're not a pastor. You're a brother. So whether I have the ordination, I have, uh, you know, I'm ordained to be in the ministry, doesn't matter. Unless you fit their category of preaching for two hours, conducting a service for five hours. You don't, you're not really a pastor. It's discouraging sometimes, you know, when, when that really happens. People can look down in many ways and uh, just looking down at anybody. I remember this one incident where uh, uh, there was an assistant pastor in our church. I'll tell you, I'll finish this story. So uh, there was one pastor at our church, um, assistant pastor, and he was quite new to preaching and uh, all this. And so my dad asked him to preach and he did his best. And what happened is there was one uh, auntie in the church who, when he got up on stage, she closed her Bible and sat down quietly. He's going to preach, what should be the response? Okay, open the Bible, take notes. But she closed the Bible and sat quietly. Because she knows that, okay, I know who he is, I know he's not that experienced, and um, maybe she knows more verses than him. So he closed the Bible and sat down. So after he finished speaking, my dad saw that. <laughs> he got on stage and he said, uh, there, there are some people who closed your Bible when he came up on stage. 
and here's what he said that really you know i still remember that he said whether god brings a small boy or an elderly person it is god who speaks it's not about that person okay god can even raise up a donkey to speak his word he can do that we should never look down at anybody and discredit them the very act of discrediting them or saying oh he is not good enough is an act of pride so how do i deal with that when when i hear uh, people say that and people look down at me personally honestly i don't respond at all i think responding to that is actually a waste of time even when i'm racially discriminated or whether i'm discriminated in terms of ministry i don't respond at all i just leave it as it is because it is god who makes me stand not their words so i just don't respond so honestly there are many people who ask me questions i don't respond i don't respond to i don't minister to every one of them just keep it i don't have to prove myself to everyone that's that's what i've learned i am a pastor and i know who my sheep are that's it <laughs> not everybody in mangalore are meant to be in the church they have different churches they can go to and so what i see is i just see them okay if you if you look down at me okay i, I don't have a response to that like i leave it that way i don't respond and i found that to be very effective actually because what happens is the moment you start responding to them though your response will end there you know as a conversation with them even after after you go back to your room you'll be still thinking why did they say that i could have said this i could have answered them this way i could have given a better answer you know all these things will keep going on in our mind it's better not to respond yeah that's what i do amen so let me ask you this question who was the most humble man in the bible moses who was the most humble of all he was moses but you look at his life in the early stages of his life was he a humble man no if you went and picked up a fight with moses one shot and you'll be in heaven <laughs> he was not a humble man and there are some lessons we can learn from his life and i'm going to talk about it and then we are going to see how we can evaluate ourselves to see if there is any pride and then how we can work our way through it okay so turn with me to uh, exodus chapter 2 verse 11 to 14 yes so we see this incident where moses kills an egyptian because what he sees is an egyptian beating hebrew moses is a hebrew he is an israelite okay but he is brought up in the pharaoh's court uh, pharaoh's palace and so he sees an egyptian beating a hebrew and he looks this way and that way seeing no one he kills an he kills the egyptian and hides him hides him in the sand we're going to talk about this incident and how pride is demonstrated here so pride here is shown in two ways 
okay i want you to pay careful attention to that i was i was studying this and i found this very insightful for my own life as well so first we see here uh, his pride is coming out in the fact that he attempted to do what god had called him to do in his own timing okay let me say this see moses understood that he is called to be the deliverer for israel because he would go around and see his people suffering under slavery by the egyptians and he he had the sense of god's calling now something to understand about god's calling is that it's not revealed in one day it takes years it takes many many days to actually understand god's calling in its full measure okay so in in moses heart he had this sense that god is going to use him to deliver his own people he's going to use them to bring them out of captivity and take them to a land where they are free he understood that but one thing to understand clearly now is that god's plan of how he's going to do that was not yet revealed okay he understood the call but the action plan was not yet clear to him you get what i'm saying now we see the later part of moses's life when he comes he speaks he puts the rod down it turns into a snake okay he pours water the the nile river turns into blood he prays hailstones come that was god's action plan that was revealed much later but moses is in a premature stage he understood god's plan but he started operating in his own time so he sees somebody oppressing a hebrew oppressing his own fellow brother and what he does is that he gets furious and kills this man and hides him in the sand so the first way pride is revealed here is this where moses attempts to replace god's timetable with his own timetable okay god had a plan and it goes according to his time but whenever we try to replace god's timetable with our own timetable we are acting in a prideful manner so god has a calling over your life he has a purpose for you but if you try to fulfill that purpose by your own strength even before god reveals everything to you then what you're doing is that you're putting your strength inserting your plans doing what you want to do in your own timing now that also is acting in a prideful manner i hope you understood this so just get this uh, point whenever we attempt to replace god's timetable with our own we are acting in a prideful manner whenever we try to replace god's plan and agenda with our own plans then we are acting in a prideful manner the second way in which uh, moses's pride emerges is that Uh, the way he chose to employ in the liberation of his people now god had a plan of how he would deliver his people god's plan was first go speak to pharaoh 10 plagues will come and after the final plague he'll let the people go so that was god's plan but moses even before understanding the plan he chooses his own methods to liberate his people and what was his method kill the egyptian you see let's let's imagine if if moses were to deliver people of israelites there would have been a cold war in egypt he would have killed the egyptians the egyptians would have killed him at last very less people would be alive 
God had a very different plan, very different plan to deliver Israel. But what Moses does is that he uses his own methods to liberate the people of Israel. So that's what, what he does is that he sets himself as a ruler by even just going and killing this person. He tries his own methods. And understand this, whenever we substitute our methods for God's methods, we are acting in a prideful manner. Whenever we substitute our methods for God's methods, we are acting in a prideful manner. So two things, he used his own timetable, he functioned according to his own schedule, and second, he employed his own methods. Now honestly as Christians, these are things that we struggle with. See, it, it, it is so easy for us to sometimes, we would think to ourselves saying, oh maybe God is not working fast enough. I want this but it's not coming fast enough. And so we may feel like the methods or something is, is not moving fast and let me try to work my way. Let me try to do this. You know, I often face that. I know what God wants to do through this church and he has a time and he will do in that time. Now no matter how much I try to speed that up, it's going to rebound. So oftentimes I face these temptations to achieve God's goal in my timing and in my way. This also can be a pride. Because the reality is this. When we engage in this type of behavior, when we try to do our own things in our own timing and in our own method, what we are doing is this. We are declaring ourselves sovereign over our own lives and circumstance. We are saying, okay, I can do this. I can take care of this, of my life. I can handle this on my own. Just that very thought is out of pride. Um, the, the new age philosophy that we have in our world today just points to us saying you are God. You are a God. You think it will happen. You want this, you, you try it, it'll get, you'll get it. Yeah, all of this law of attraction and every sort of law. <laughs> yeah, and all these things. You just think it, think it, think it and it will happen for you. Comes out of pride. Because what we are doing in that is we are setting ourselves sovereign over our own circumstance. And that's exactly what Moses did. He understood the call and now he gets into action even without God showing the way. Even without God showing the way. And what happens to Moses' life after this? Was he, did he go back to the palace? Did he go back to the palace? He ran into the wilderness. Why? Because he became an enemy of his own people. And second, he became an enemy of Pharaoh. Let, let's look at the verse, verse 14. What does it say? So next day he sees a Hebrew and a Hebrew fighting. And Moses asked, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And verse 14 says like this, The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. Now he might have thought that by doing this, my own people will recognize me as a leader. But what happens is the opposite. He acts in pride, employs his own method in, in his time, and what happens is even his people reject him, saying, 
don't try to rule over us you're not a judge over us who appointed you as a judge over us who you see what happens when we act in pride in our own timing when we try to work out everything in our life in our own ways we will be rejected by the very ones who love us deeply so we have to understand this that god has a time for everything let me ask you this question how many years uh did god say that israel will be in egypt how many years 400 years right but how many years did it actually take 430 so god is saying 400 years so we have this all powerful god saying 400 years there will be in egypt but they come out at the 430th year you see this 30 years extension period that happens do you know why that could have happened moses how many years was moses in the wilderness 40 years so scholars estimate this way they say he committed this mistake in the 390th year see by the 400th year another 10 years god would have revealed the call to him but what he did is he comes to the end of the uh, the, the the time when the calling is going to be fulfilled makes a mistake and it takes time 30 years more in slavery for the people god teaches him a lesson prepares him and brings him back see when we act in pride when we are hasty when we employ our own methods when we try to use our own strength the very thing that god wants to do in and through us will be delayed that's what we see in moses's life so first of all the very uh, act of working according to his time created a trouble using his own methods of killing an egyptian created trouble god didn't wasn't pleased with that he went for 40 years in the wilderness lived as a foreigner in a land that he doesn't know and finally god brings him back so what does this teach us no matter how slow god might work wait on him patiently no matter how slow god might work we should never say okay i can do this on my own i can do this on we should never say that rather we should wait on the lord proverbs chapter 16 was 18 says like this pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall you know there are times uh, i've played the drums for now 12 12 13 years i think and so i played for quite a long time and what happens is when i sit on the drums and i think to myself oh this song i can just it's just nothing and i tell you when i think of that just think of okay i can play this this is i've played it for many many years now just that very thought will lead me uh in a direction what what will actually happen is when i think that way i would make a lot of mistakes i'll make a lot of mistakes because what i'm thinking is oh i think i can do this what's the big deal i can play this song but what will happen in reality is that i'll make a lot of mistakes mess up in so many ways and there are times when i sit on the drums and say lord lead me you use me as an instrument let my playing bring glory to your name and i'd play the best because when i come with a humble spirit it's different 
The, the one is confidence, uh, but as, as God's children, we are always called to be dependent on Him. See, well, see, one is by practice. We know what to do. Okay? It's one thing to say we know what to do. Another thing to say, oh, I can do this on my own. See, no matter who we are or how long we have been in the Lord, we should never arrive at a point where we say, I don't need help. So just the very thought of, okay, I can do this on my own, makes us less dependent on God. So that brings in the spirit of pride. So that, that's the perspective I'm talking about. So, pride goes before a destruction. If you ever pe feel proud of a certain situation, you can be sure you're going to fall next. <laughs> the Bible is clear. Pride comes before a fall. Pride comes before destruction. Okay. So we have arrived at this point. So any questions about the life of Moses? Anything that you want to know more about, say, figuring out God's will and purpose, about waiting on Him? Waiting on God is actually, it's not very easy. <laughs> it's, it's not a very easy process. Now you may pray for your purpose. You may pray for a, a person for marriage. God says, wait, 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 wait. So what do you do in those times? <laughs> wait. <laughs> Be patient. Mm. Waiting on the Lord is actually, uh, it may seem slow and everything, but when it comes through, it'll be the best. So it's always you know, better to wait on Him. There are things I've not waited for. I've got a beating for that. <laughs> and when that happens, it's, it's painful. It's painful. See, when I came to Mangalore, I God had a plan. But I went and sat in another church. Four weeks later, God said, you're in the wrong place. Get out. It's, it's now very difficult because I've stood on stage and I said, God brought me to this place and I'm so glad I met every one of you. And now God is speaking to me saying, get out of this place. It's not the place I've kept for you. And I realized I came to Mangalore, God's call, but I took my own step of being part of another church. God said, leave. I want you to leave. So I left. The pastor was upset with me. People, some people called me two, three times. They said, what happened? Why did you leave the church? I said, no, I'm sorry. It's my mistake. Uh, please forgive me. And I came out and this church started. Imagine if I had still sat there. <laughs> It'll be a different story. So that's what, when we, when we wait on the Lord and when God corrects us, we immediately have to come back and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Help me do it. When a lot of things happen that way. Okay, so let's talk about uh, seven signs of pride in our life. Now we look at all these things and we may think, okay, maybe I don't have, maybe I do have, maybe it's in this area of our life. But I'm going to talk about, sorry, six signs. I'm going to just mention these points and talk about it. And you can, you know, analyze for yourself and see, do I have pride? Do I have pride? Because if, if there is pride in your heart, then these six things, or at least one of them, will show up time to time. Okay? Are you ready? So six things, just to analyze yourself and see where you stand. And then I'm going to talk about eliminating pride from our hearts. The first thing is this, fault finding. 
more than all their good habits, we always point out the flaws. Oh, he's this way, oh, she's that way, oh, they're like this. If there is too much of fault finding in us, then that is also a sign of pride. Because what pride does is that it makes you compare yourself with that person. So you see how great you are and you see how bad they are. So just the attitude of seeing their faults more than the positive things, than the good things, is actually a sign of pride. Fault finding. Just analyze yourself, you're going to pray at the end of it. See if you have this and, and just ask the Lord. See, if, if it naturally comes for you to point out others' fault, then it's something to work. Because every human being that we're going to meet will have one or the other weakness. But if we always, always highlight their weakness, how they fall and how miserable they are, then we are actually doing something wrong. Second is a harsh spirit. See, typically people who have pride in their hearts speak of others' mistakes with contempt, irritation, frustration or judgment. Oh, she's this way. Oh, she, he's that way. I, I can't even stand that. That's a harsh spirit. If there is a harsh spirit in our hearts, then that's a sign of pride. It also makes them uh, look down at the struggles of others. They may be you know, struggling through something. They may be trying to find a solution. People who have pride in their hearts will look down at them and laugh at their struggles. Oh, this is a very simple thing. I don't know why they're struggling with it. That's a harsh spirit. We're not helping them, but rather we are laughing at them. Just looking down at the struggles of others. It's a second sign of pride. A harsh Spirit. Are you with me? Is this clear? A third one, third sign of pride is superficiality. Superficiality. Uh, basically, they are more concerned about what others think of themselves than the reality of what we think about ourselves. It's like they are trying to build an image so that others can see them and say, oh, you're such a great person. And so what will happen in this is that typically, if they have a character that is noticeable to others outside, they'll work on that. But if they have another character where nobody sees, they won't work on that. Okay? For example, let's say, uh, just the act of getting angry. You know, you get angry at others, others see and you think you're a, they'll think that you're a short-tempered person. So something like that, they will deal with it immediately. They'll say, okay, I don't have to become angry because others will think bad of me. But they will have another issue where they're struggling all by themselves. Nobody sees. They won't deal with it because others don't see it and it doesn't affect their image. That is superficiality. They're more concerned about what others think of them than what they think of themselves. That's a sign of pride. So they fight the sins that affect their image and make peace with the ones that nobody sees. We are talking about six signs of pride. First is fault finding. Second, a harsh spirit. 
Third is superficiality. Fourth one is defensiveness. Defensive toward everything. Whether they say good or bad, you're defensive. If someone tries to correct you, you tell them how to correct themselves. <laughs> Sign of pride. Defensive towards everything. If somebody tries to correct you, you will point out their fault. Or did you know you did like this one day? How come you correct me? How come you talk about me? Defensiveness. A sign of pride. Fifth one is desperation for attention. You all know what this is. Desperation for attention. It, it was, it's something crazy to think that people post for likes. Sometimes, you know, I, I see on WhatsApp there, some of my friends, uh, not from Mangalore, <laughs> some of my friends, they post a status every day. You know, they post, I have to post a status every day. I don't know if they are posting for the sake of others, sending a message back to them and thinking that, oh, they had a great day, they had a great trip. There's a friend of mine who, who's always somewhere. He's either in Pondicherry, he's in Kerala, he's, in, he's going to Andhra somewhere, somewhere or the other. Every day you will see him driving, eating, doing something. Desperation for attention. There's a, there's a limit, you know, okay, you update others about what, what you're going through, but if it's so habitual that every day there's at least five status, or at least two status, something to, you know, think about. It's a sign of pride. Sometimes, you know, this is my take. Uh, just the thing of when posting on social media, oh, how much I love you, this is, just writing to their own husband, <laughs> sleeping with them on the same bed. <laughs> or their own wife, you know, the same house. On social media, okay, how much I appreciate you. Sometimes it's good. It's, there's, there's like a healthy appetite, but everything, you know, post it. I don't know. I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's healthy at all. Desperation for attention. Uh, sixth one is neglecting others. I want to be very specific with this. Sixth one is neglecting others. When a person is pride, they prefer some people over others. What will happen is that uh, when, when people have pride in their hearts, they like to connect with people who are well known to others. Like say, uh, he might be a leader in a college or leader in an office. So what, what you'll do is you'll, you'll, you will, you know, you will work your way through to have a relationship with them and then look down at everybody else. Because when you're in a public and when this big person who is in a higher position or authority, when they look at you and wave at you, it gives you a lot of thrill. And there might be another guy who is just doing some simple work in the office. Even if he knows you, even if he waves at you, he'll be like, ah, not very important to me. Neglecting others based on their status and position. So what happens is, consciously or unconsciously, we pass over the weak, the inconvenient, the unattractive, because they don't seem to offer as much. That's also pride, neglecting others. 
ignoring the weak, the inconvenient, the unattractive because they don't seem to offer us much. Now what does this make you feel? This. Ignoring the weak, inconvenient, the unattra unattractive because they don't seem to offer us much. They don't add much color to our life, you know. Yes. They, 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 sometimes, you know, weak people, inconvenient, or some, some kind of people who, who may not seem like a very exciting person to hang out with, they may be a very genuine friend. They may not have much in their pockets or much to offer in terms of looks, but they may be the most genuine person that we could ever meet. Passing over them, just, just ignoring them, is also an act of pride. It's an act of pride. Amen. So you see how important it is to deal with pride. These are six subtle signs, just signs that it shows up here and there. Neglecting others, looking down at others, desperation for attention, posting so that others can see how amazing a family life is. Defensiveness, superficiality, a harsh spirit and fault finding. All these things are six signs of pride. And if there's anything that you find are there, any of these things are there in your life, I'm going to talk about four ways in which you can eliminate pride from your heart. Eliminate pride from your heart. Okay, and we're going to, I'm going to give this to you and then we're going to have some question and answer sessions and you can explain to me situations that you face uh, that, that you don't know how to deal with. Whether it's pride or not pride, you're not sure. You can tell that to me, we can evaluate from biblical perspective. Okay, so eliminating pride from our heart. The first one is we have to test ourselves every day. The first way to eliminate pride from our life is we have to test ourselves every day. There's this verse I would really love for you to memorize. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. There was a time in my life I would literally just pray with this verse every other day, every other day, just asking God, God, test me, test me, test me. Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. Can we read that verse? Psalm 139. Everlasting. What does the psalmist say here? Psalm 139 was written by David. And in verse 23 he says, and this is his ending prayer. He says, search me God and know my heart. Okay, what is he asking? He's saying, God, my heart is open to you, now search me. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And in verse 24 he says, see if there is any offensive way in me. He's saying, Lord, see my heart. See if there is anything that you find offensive to you. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. What he's saying is, Lord, if there is anything offensive, search me, take it out of my life and lead me in the way of everlasting. Test ourselves every day. Test ourselves every day. You see, pride is such, uh, such like I said before, it's a default part of the human nature. It will keep cropping up time to time. 
But if we can test ourselves every day, if we can pray with this verse every single day saying, Lord, if there is anything offensive in me, remove it. If there is anything that doesn't please you, remove it. The more we keep doing such prayers, I tell you, God will do a surgery in our heart every single day. Just, just eliminating those things that he finds offensive. Because what these prayers do is that it opens our heart for God to work. We are opening our heart and saying, God, you work in my heart today. You work in my life today. Because the more I open to you, I know you will work in my heart. And when God works in our heart, pride will slowly start leaving our life. So the way to eliminate pride, first thing is to test ourselves every day. Second is this. Do everything out of love. You see, the beauty of love is that when you do everything out of love, when you help people, or help people out of love, when you serve out of love, there will be no room for pride. Now Paul says like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14, he says, do everything in love. In other translation it says, let all that you do be done in love. Simple. Whether you are hanging out with somebody, do it because you love them. Not because of the fun they add to your life. Some people like to hang out with people who are fun, you know, who are outgoing who just make you laugh. But what about the ones who don't know how to crack jokes? <laughs> there are people who don't know how to crack jokes. I can tell you that confidently because I've been, I'm one of them. <laughs> I've, I've had people who walked up and he said, you're such a boring person. He told me that. And so my friend circle was very limited, like one or two. Because I used to work with them and we, we traveled together and so they were good friends to me. See, when you do everything out of love, even if your friendship is out of love, how that person is will not matter to you. Whether they add fun or color to your life, it doesn't matter. You simply love them as a person. That's it. See, in our world today, what happens is many, many have friendships just to you know, get something out of them. Just to get something out of them. In my college days, guys would hang out with certain guys because they have a vehicle. You know, they have a car, so they, everybody is friends with them. Because they will go out with them in the car. That's not friendship. That's not friendship. The Bible says, do everything out of love. Our friendships should be motivated by love. Because the truth about love is this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul describes the characteristic of love. He says, love is not arrogant. In other words, it's not, it's not proud. Okay? It's not proud at all. I, I, it doesn't matter whether my friend is from a village or a slum. I'm a friend with him because I love him. He's a great guy. So we have to build friendships out of love and not out of pride. So when we do that, we can eliminate pride from our hearts. And I can tell you this, if you can just simply apply this, you will have long-lasting friendships. Simply long-lasting friendships. So let everything that you do be, be motivated out of love. The third one is this. Make every effort to put others ahead of yourself. 
make every effort to put others ahead of yourself. For instance, let's say you're invited to a place as a special guest and you and your friend are going, but you go up to the stage and there's only one chair to sit. Now what will you do? If you apply this principle, what you should do is you should let your friend sit, you can go down and take another seat. We have to always make an effort to put others ahead of ourselves. Okay, you take something better, I'll take something simple. We always have to think that way. When we begin to think that when we put this into practice, pride will be out of our life because it's not about us anymore, it's about the person going ahead of us. Okay, let me help you do this. That's how beautiful life becomes. You know, when, when somebody is working that way, working for others' benefit, we'll have relationships that last for a lifetime. So it doesn't matter what you may have to sacrifice in return, but let others take a better position. Put others ahead of yourself. And finally, fourth one. Do not think highly of yourself than you should. It's a very important uh, instruction. Do not think highly of yourself than you should, than you ought to. That's a better way to say that. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 says like this. Romans 12, 3. Can somebody read that verse? There's a practical principle that we see here. That is, do not think of yourself highly than you should, than you ought to. In other words, see, when we think of pride, it's an extreme. It's like a habit where you raise yourself above others. At the same time, you should not say, oh Lord, I'm a dead leaf. There's some people who pray like this. I'm just a worm. I'm, I'm a dead leaf. I'm like a dog on the street. Dogs are good. <laughs> You know, we just, you know, bring ourselves so down. That is also wrong. We should not bring ourselves so down. Some people, uh, this one person who prayed like this, Lord, I'm like the dust. I'm like the mud. <laughs> we should not do such things. Rather, we should have a very balanced view. A very balanced view of ourselves. In other words, we should not think that I'm someone greater. I'm not someone like a worm. The reason why I say that is this, because God has created us as his children. If, let's just imagine if your child comes to you and says, Father, Daddy, I'm a worm. <laughs> You'll be like, no. <laughs> you, you just, just that. You know, as, as, as a father, you would, as, as a father, you won't, you know, encourage that. You'll say, okay, just don't think of yourself that bad. You are a good person. Just have a balanced view of yourself. So Paul says to the church at Rome, says, don't think of yourself highly than you should. There's a balance that we all have to maintain. So it's very practical, very practical. So put this into practice and there'll be no room for pride in your life. Amen? So four ways to eliminate pride. Test ourselves every day. Do everything out of love. Make every effort to put others ahead of yourself. And finally, don't think of yourself highly than you should.
to do everything out of love. Build friendships out of love, very important. Serve out of love, never out of uh, personal benefit. Build friendships out of love, very important. I, I believe these principles have to be emphasized more and more in our world today. More and more in our world today because uh, when we are motivated by other thoughts and other benefits, then it's going to lead us into a very destructive life. Because what we're looking for in that situation is a self-satisfying experience, that's all. We just want to be happy because that person is known. We have to be a friend, friend to other person to help them be a better person. You get what I'm saying? We have to be a friend to another person to develop them, you know, just help them out, be with them in their tough times. That is true friendship. That was something that comes out of love because this friend will be very cranky to you. He may, he may react in ways that you won't like. He may do things that you won't appreciate. Even though you say a hundred times, don't do this, they'll still go and do that. But the Bible says do everything out of love. If you're a friend with that person, just even though they don't listen to you, even though it's the, the hundredth time you have told them, just tell it one more time. Keep going on, keep helping them. That's how we are supposed to live. And when we do that, what will happen is we will slowly and practically eliminate pride out of our hearts. Pride out of our hearts. Amen. Father in heaven, we come to you this evening. We thank you that you have spoken to us through your word, reminding us that pride is what you hate. And Lord, we look at this and we say we don't want to have this anymore in our life. Maybe there's three points in our life. Maybe there's one area where we are proud. Maybe racially, maybe spiritually. Maybe because of the wealth. Lord, I pray that we would be people that will be marked with humility. That we will be humble at all times. That we will, we will have no pride in our lives. That we will always test ourselves in your presence. That we will always do everything out of love. Let our friendships, our relationships be motivated by love and not out of benefits. Help us, Lord, we pray. Help us, Jesus. Help us to live a life that is pure, pleasing and holy to your sight. We thank you, Master, for what you've spoken to us. Help us to check ourselves every day and eliminate pride out of our life. We thank you, Master. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.